Welcome to House Call with Dr. Mack, where you get a real doc with straight talk for the whole you. We're wrapping up Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and I felt it was essential to do something a little different and unique. So this week, we are going to roll out three different episodes on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You're going to hear two different women's stories, but you're going to hear a common thread throughout their story. Today, our first guest that came and sat down with me via phone from North Carolina is a young lady who I've known, I feel, all my life, Mrs. Kim Carter Sullivan. She was so gracious to allow us to take a trip down memory lane. And as it would be, she took her last tamoxifen tablet on this past Wednesday. She is officially considered a survivor. I was in such awe of her as she told her story. And so, let's sit down, let's have some conversations, let's connect these dots, let's get some straight talk. Okay, and we're here at the House Call community today. I am privileged to sit down with Kimberly Carter Sullivan. This is a lady that has so graciously accepted me as another younger sister throughout my life. And um, Kim, I can't even remember a time that our families didn't know each other. So I, I feel like you all have been a part of my life and our lives forever. Yes. And I just want to thank you for letting me tag along, for me claiming Kelly and and not, you know, throwing us in the basement somewhere over the years. Oh <laughs> So, Kim, we're, we're having this conversation today because at the age of 35, I'm sorry, at the age of 37, um, you received a medical diagnosis that was very unexpected. Can you tell us what was your diagnosis? I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, specifically, it was infiltrating ductal carcinoma. Wow. At age 37, and as you yes. told me before, it was like five days before your 38th birthday. Right, when I got the, the confirmation, um, she, my, my OBGYN actually found the lump on my son's first year birthday. I had gone in for my yearly exam, mm -hmm. and she always did breast exams during that time and found the lump and sent me the very next week for... Um, mammogram and ultrasound. Wow, so this was something that your physician found. It wasn't anything that you were concerned with, correct? Correct. So can I you can you take us on this journey? In yeah. my, my self-exams. Oh, so can you take us on this journey? You're going for your regular exams. Um, anything, nothing really suspicious. You said it was right after your son was about a year old. Right. And you just went in for your regular exam, correct? Correct. 
Wow. And I, I had breastfed um, until he was probably seven or eight months. Um, and like I said, I wasn't very um, diligent in doing my own self-exam. So every year at my OBGYN visit, during that exam, she would do those for me and fuss at me for not doing them myself. Mm. And once before she had found a lump, but just thought that it was, you know, um, maybe just dense mm-hmm. density or, you know, fibrous. And I went for a mammogram probably two years pre- uh, previous. Okay. And it was nothing um, concerning then. Um, but when she sent me for this next ultrasound, um, and mammogram, they they recommended a biopsy. I guess it looked a little bit different. Okay. Um, so I went for the biopsy probably mid-August, mm-hmm. I guess. And um, pathology typically comes back within two or three days. And a week later, I couldn't get the um, radiologist on the phone. I, I, no one was returning my calls. I couldn't get the radiologist. I was sitting in a meeting at work on August 20th mm. when I got the phone call from the OB, who just happened to be um, a friend of mine who attends church, mm. met her at church. And she called me and shared with me that it was positive for cancer. And you know, I appreciate how she took the hands-on approach because she didn't want the radiologist to tell me. She told them if it was positive, let her be the one to call me. And she just she was out of the country, mm. and which is why it took them so or, you know it took me so long to find out. Okay. She wanted to be the one, and she had to you know she was out of the country. So um, of course she called me when she got back and shared it. But that was her journey. I had this exact same thing that she. Had. Oh, wow. Your OBGYN is a breast cancer survivor herself. My OBGYN is a breast cancer survivor. Wow. And let me tell you how God works. Hmm. Um, within five days of getting the diagnosis, she linked me to her surgeon. Hmm. She showed up in scrubs in between surgery to hold my hand and walk me through. What? Take your time. I'm very grateful and I feel very blessed. You are. You are. So, um, at that original, at that at that initial consultation with the surgeons, with my husband and Dr. Bell sitting around the table. He shared with me, you know, that it's, it's, it's relatively small based on the measurements that they had on the ultrasound. Mm-hmm. And his recommendation was lumpectomy. Okay. And with that, you know, they take out just the, the affected area and, and try to make sure that they get clear margins around um, the lump. Okay. And my question to him was, well, what is the you know, what is the possibility of there being an occurrence elsewhere? Mm-hmm. And he said, my chances were one in five. Mm. So 
at that point, I didn't like those odds. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what, what else can be done? And um, they talked about the mastectomy, um, going ahead and removing the breast tissue. And, you know, nowadays they can do reconstruction. Okay. So, at the same yeah. time or later? Or you're talking about at well, the same time? Yeah, it's a process. So mm-hmm. when I when I said I didn't like those odds, just go ahead and take these. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't I don't want there to be that that risk of reoccurrence. Um, what they do is him, uh, the surgeon, yeah, and the plastic surgeon went together they operated together so once they removed my breast tissue and i had bilateral i didn't just do one side i had the bilateral you had a bilateral mastectomy yes okay um just to you know make sure that i reduced my odds significantly okay because you know quality of life and living my life was much more important than any you know Mm -hmm. physical appearance yeah so what they did was during the surgery the plastic surgeon puts in um, um, expanders. So they remove my breast and mm-hmm. put in expanders. And over the next few months, mm. the slow process, they inject saline okay. to stretch the skin out hmm. Okay. to make room for your implants, the new, the ones that are going to take the place of the old. Okay. So um, I would go in every two weeks, and they inject a little bit, and probably in up. Uh, we started that in September. By February, I was ready for the implants, and I went in for a day surgery. A day surgery? A day surgery. They didn't keep me overnight. I was in and out. I didn't know that was that was possible now. I I mean in my training I I am recalling everything that you're saying but it used to be over months that this mm-hmm. process would happen and now you're telling me that they can actually place the expanders sometimes depending on your specific case at the time of your mastectomy and yes. then your implants can be a day procedure. Yes. We've come a long way. Wow. Okay. They really have. And when I did the bilateral mastectomy, they only held me in the hospital for, I want to say, a day and a half, two days. Really? Yeah. Wow. And, um, you know, of course, when you lose that that muscle, that tissue, you know, you have to work on your range of motion. Oh. You have to, you know, practice washing your hair and not Ooh. being afraid to lift your arms up and... Yes, I didn't even think about that because from the anatomy point of view, you've you've actually have did they actually have to cut into what is called the pectoralis muscles, which is um, right underneath the breast tissue at all, or I I really honestly do I don't know. Okay, okay, <laughs> no problem. It's just that you have to now go back and and relearn or get more confidence how to use those muscles again. Right. Okay. Right. Wow. And I had things, um, tubes, stay, um, stay tubes sticking out of either side just, you know, to keep from, I guess, getting infection or letting the fluid drain. Mm-hmm. Did you have, um, it was like a little clear plastic that yeah. came, emptied into like a little, we called it the little grenade ball? 
Yes. Yes. The J J J tubes or jade grenades are what we used to call them. <laughs> yes. And so it is. It's a process that because we don't want uh, seroma to to form underneath tissue that is healing and that we know that needs to heal in a certain way, because okay. your body's going to produce extra fluids. Um, to try and heal that spot, you do, you slip a little drain in there and, um, and it drain, helps to keep that extra fluid draining from certain areas so that you don't have that. And, and again, like you said, infection can sit up in those extra fluid pockets. Mm -hmm. Wow. So February, you have your implants placed. And um, now I want to I understand, prior to having your mastectomy, what were some of the options because of your type of cancer did they give you? Was there a radiation option? Was there a chemotherapy option? Were any of those in, in your plan? Those were not part of the initial discussion. They threw them out there, but they have so many tests now that they can do to determine whether or not those things would benefit you. Okay. So initially, the initial consult, all we really talked about was the type of surgery mm. and then um you know with 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 me deciding early on to do the mastectomy i knew that radiation would not be a um I probably wouldn't be, I wouldn't need radiation. Okay, okay, that's true because uh, radiation the entire the entire tissue. In fact, yes. Okay. Okay. So that was that was one of the reasons. And then chemotherapy, um, they actually did a test. And I, I, I cannot remember the name of the test to see what my rate of reoccurrence would be. Okay. Um, but whatever test they did, and I looked through my papers and I couldn't find the name of it, um, put me in a very low recurrence um, category. All right. So basically the oncologist said chemo therapy would not benefit me okay okay so that was a blessing yes and we prayed over that yes Mercy. what they what they did decide and and going back to the type of cancer i had they had to determine whether or not my cancer was was grown by hormone yes the test that i had it was estrogen positive okay all right so I think, or what my OB thinks is that when I got pregnant, yeah, I had those cancer cells already, and the the boost of hormone just kind of grew it. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So they put me on a five year tamoxifen. All right. Um, so one one pill a day for five years. And are you? I took my last pill on Wednesday. Are you serious? <laughs> All right. Oh, my goodness. I am so glad that we're sitting having this conversation today. So are you considered a survivor at this point? Because that's five years. That's five years. That's it. All I, right. I, my last oncology appointment is on the 29th. And I don't think he wants to see me anymore. Yes. Yes. I don't think so. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Kim, that is awesome oh my goodness wow i i want to go back and and ask you a question about 
family history. When you were sitting there with the oncologist, did they um, talk about a family history and if that played a role in the type of cancer that you had? They did ask me about family history, but I didn't know um, very much about my family history. I knew that my grandmother on my father's side Uh had had um, a mastectomy, but I didn't, um, I was unclear as to why. Okay. I didn't know if she was diagnosed with cancer or why that was. Okay, okay. Um, and then I think there were some aunts on down the line that might have had it. But I went ahead and did genetics. Oh, okay. What did that entail? Um, they they threw some blood. Mm-hmm. And then they also did um, a question. I had to go through a questionnaire. But they also, I guess, looked at the tissue mm-hmm. that was removed and determined that it was not genetic. Oh, so did they look at that BRCA, that BRCA1, BRCA2 gene? Is that? Yes, yes. Yeah. And, and so you were negative for that. Right. That, that is very important. And, and I want to kind of pause here and interject. What that does is there is an association we know between having breast cancer and ovarian cancer if you have the BRCA gene. And, of course, there's BRCA1 and BRCA2. And so some women that have those genes, they are also opting to have prophylactic oophorectomies or taking their ovaries out because they are at a higher risk of having ovarian cancer along with having breast cancer. Um, so that is one thing, but that, it, that goes with the genetic side. So okay. you were more so considered a sporadic breast cancer patient. Wow. And, and I'm looking at some of the, some of the epidemiology behind breast cancer and it's saying that those that are younger than 50, when they are diagnosed, most of them are sporadic. Um, it's usually those that are in their fifties or even their seventies are two really big peaks where women get diagnosed and it's either in their fifties or in their seventies. And those can be more so associated with a genetic component, with a hereditary component, such as a mother or sister being diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm -hmm. So yours was estrogen positive. And like you said, your OB, we are thinking that there is an association with a, you know, like you had a boost of estrogen, which the placenta actually produces so women have three three areas that can produce estrogen in our lifetime you have estrone and there are three different types of estrogen so you have estrone which is produced by our adipose tissue or our fat our brown fat so when people have a weight challenge we can see that that is an increased risk for breast cancer because you're you're producing more estrogen then our, our ovaries um, produce estradiol, and that's the one that helps us have a cycle. It talks to the, it, it actually has a communication from the brain to the uterus in that cycle. And then the estradiol is through the placenta, and that's where you get this huge insurgence of estrogen, and that is necessary to support a pregnancy to term. 
So that's why she's probably, you know, we've made that correlation with if you have this surge of estrogen, yours was estrogen positive. It kind of makes, you know, we kind of connect those dots and say, well, this could possibly be it. And I want to just commend your physician, uh, you know, with her having the, the sensitivity of exam for one. And then how she really just took the time to be human, you know, mm-hmm. and to and to help you walk through this journey because it seems like she took her own journey and she knows that her 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 test her testimony is not just for yeah. her, but that she's yeah. able to connect now on a different level with with people in her community, and mm-hmm. and that is just that's that's amazing. I want I want to just applaud her. I want to talk about your support system that you had um, and probably still have. So you're based in North Carolina. And I I wanted to know, was there a community that emerged that you, you know, became a part of? Was it a physical community that you could go to and talk talk to um, other sister friends about? you know, similar situations, or was it something that may have even emerged online? I'm not sure. I'm throwing a few things out there. Can you just tell us about your support system? Well, um, the hospital had, um, when I was diagnosed before surgery, you know, before the surgery and everything, they actually assigned me a navigator. Hmm. Um, and I, the, the name of the program escapes me, but this person would call me. She gave me books to read. She gave me, um, they had, they would have group sessions. I didn't necessarily go to, to many of the group okay. sessions, but she was always available if I was, you know, nervous or needed clarification on a certain test mm-hmm. or, you know, what to expect. Um, not to mention my OB who gave me her personal number wow. to call and um, would just check in on me every now and again. Mm-hmm. Um the church that I attend with my husband actually had a, a group okay. of survivors. Oh, okay. Um, and just talking to people, you know, I think it, we don't we don't talk enough. Mm-hmm. But when I started talking to people and sharing, coming to find out that there were several women that I that I work with that had just completed the same journey or had wow. been through and I had no idea. Hmm. Wow. Um, there are a lot of breast cancer survivors. Each of us have a unique story, but when you start talking to people, it's amazing. Wow. Um, where you find the support. Yes. And, you know, of course, family and of friends. Course. And I got a, a flood of cards. My mother was teaching first grade at the time and her little kid sent me a little a little book. So I still have all of these. Wow. All of these things. But it was, yeah, I got prayer over the phone and just wonderful support from everywhere, every angle. Wow. Kim, I want to thank you for taking the time in between your busy schedule. Your your background, you are a, a social worker by background, and you told me that you would be in between appointments today um, taking care of, of your clients. And I want to thank you for taking this, this moment just to let us have a, have a look and a glimpse into um, breast cancer 
you know, we. Well, thank you, Keisha. Oh, no problem. You know, this is, this is. Dr. Mac. (laughs) (laughs) This is, this is Breast Cancer um, Awareness Month. And I just really wanted to have, um, and pay homage to the the women. And there are men that are diagnosed with breast cancer. We have to acknowledge that as well, that are fighters and are survivors. And we just want to let them know that we we rally with them in their stories. Um, before we go, before I let you go, is there one tip of the day that you could give our listeners in concerning taking care of yourself? I I would say because I was I, I was negligent in in breast self exams. Do not ignore. Mm. your body be be very diligent with that because it's not a feeling i didn't feel bad i wasn't mm. tired I, there was nothing to say that you know in in the way that i was feeling that this was coming but had i been on it with those breast exams i might have you know felt a lump mm-hmm. um because once she she pointed it out it was very prevalent I, oh. I, I, I was like oh wow Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. I was just... Wow. Well, Kim, have a great afternoon. And again, thank you you so much. Give your little boy, I know he's not little anymore, but give him a big hug and a big kiss from Auntie (laughs) Keisha. (laughs) And we look forward to seeing you in person, hopefully sometime soon. Yes. 